0: Explores the horrifying yet relatively unknown story of a Christian church, La Luz del Mundo, uh, LLDM as it's known, sexual abuse that scores of members, many of them minors, say that they have suffered at the hands of the successive leaders known as the Apostles. Told from the point of view of the survivors who met on Reddit to share their stories of abuse, the series chronicles the history of one of the most powerful religious groups. Not only in Mexico, where it was founded, but also in the United States. The film again is called Unveiled Surviving a Luz del Mundo. And we're joined today by the director, Jennifer Teixeira. Jennifer, welcome to Film School Radio.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Thank you. This is a very emotional film and one that is a story that unfortunately we're a little too familiar with over these many years, especially when in religion and child abuse. But it is on top of that, the people that you bring into the tell the story are so compelling and curious how you started. How what what was their impetus? What moment did you know that you wanted to do this documentary film?
1: So this story was brought to me by uh, the folks at Jigsaw and HBO. There had been two reporters who had been following the story a few years before I even got involved There wasn't a lot of coverage here in the United States. And so when it was brought to me, I, like many other people, my, my mouth hit the ground. I was just like, how has this been happening? And I've never even heard of it, especially when I thought about the fact that even in my home in Los Angeles, I was surrounded by four of these churches within an eight mile radius and they're very hard to miss. Yeah. Um, So, you know, I, I. Obviously, dove right in. Um, not only had I not heard of it, but at that point, their leader, uh, Nason Joaquin Garcia, had already been arrested, was being held on a $90 million bail, which is one of the largest in Southern California history. Again, couldn't believe this was happening. And then once I saw the Reddit, I uh, knew that, um, you know, obviously. Could identify with the survivors, being Mexican American myself, and wanted to to be a part a part of it and help them amplify their voices.
0: Is some of that being unaware of this story have to do with just kind of the provincial point of view that we have in the news here? If it didn't happen in America, even though it's affecting American citizens, was it? Why why wasn't it more known? Uh,
1: to say that. Our justice system, our media, basically any systematic institution in the United States is colorblind. I, I, I could never say that. Um, that's not been my experience, and that's not been the experience of a lot of my my family and peers. I do think that it would have been different. Um, I think the outcome of the trial would have been different. I think the media coverage would have been different if the ethnicity of our survivors, who were all American citizens, mind you, uh, would have been different.
0: Yeah. Again, this is the first, I'll be honest, the first time I knew of it was watching this documentary series. I mentioned, I said film earlier, it's a documentary series. By the way, let me just take this opportunity to say it's currently on HBO Max and also on HBO. So either one of those platforms, you have the opportunity, should be watching this. Now, uh, let's get into the details of this. This religion was established when? How long ago?
1: 1926, almost 100 years ago.
0: 1926 and it has been a family run religion from the beginning to today right to this day
1: yes um, one of the major beliefs in for la luz del mundo is the belief in the Apostle The Apostle is God's representation here on Earth and is you must believe wholeheartedly in the Apostle in order to achieve eternal salvation. In some ways, many of the survivors told me that their relationship to the apostle was even more important than their relationship to God himself. They believe that the apostle is elected through this something called divine revelation or divine election, and it's been generational. It's gone father to son, father to son, which already already seems a little bit fishy, right? So there's been three apostles, a hundred years, almost a hundred years of abuse within the organization.
0: I want to revisit that because that is it. That's been the, the as they say, the feature not the bug in the system here with with the, the, the upper echelon. I want to be clear, the people who are believers are we see throughout the film are devoted to the idea of the principles espoused by the leadership in the, in the in the uh, church and have built, many of them have built their lives around this. It's a centerpiece of the way they go about their lives and how much commitment they have shown over these many generations now. It is not a small thing. And, you know, I can't help it. It's a sort of an aside. It may not be relevant. um, But I kept thinking about the, the, uh, the dictatorship in North Korea, it it kept coming to mind because it it's the same structure, right? Father to son, father to son, father to son, and three primary three leaders have been in charge of, of of. It's just I was like, there's something to this, and I I guess part of it is once you've established kind of authority over a group of people, it becomes easier to make the the case that they're this family is imbued with something more than than we are the rest of us are right.
1: Absolutely. And then when you add in religion, which some would argue take the best parts of humanity, right? That faith, that that belief in something bigger than ourselves, that just handing yourself over completely, and you add that extra layer on top of it, it just makes it even more, the control even more great, the power dynamics even more imbalanced and complicated.
0: Well, much of the film uh, is certainly predicated on the experience of a a young woman named social uh, let's talk a bit about her and how she came to the point where she stepped forward and began to really change the the dynamic here
1: yes yeah, she was the first one to speak up publicly which is a very big deal as you will see in the series um this is not again making it even more frustrating this is not the first time that that there had been allegations against the church. There had been allegations against the church uh, very publicly in Mexico in 1997, but those were very quickly shelved because of the church's power. Uh, The person who spoke out against the church in 97 ended up being attacked and and almost killed. And and this is common practice in Mexico that you receive threats and, and bad things happen in Mexico when you speak out against the church. Even here, when the survivors have spoken out, there's a lot of backlash. Um, the Jane Does have experienced major backlash. The Jane Does in the in the criminal case. And when you do leave the church, you really do leave everything behind. You leave your home. Leave, leave you. Most of our almost all of our survivors have been um, been abandoned by their families who are still in the church. It's a huge sacrifice. So with social, you know, her and her husband made the decision to leave. Their home in Ensenada and come to the United States with nothing and have been the targets of of harassment ever since. You know, it's it's been a tough road for them.
0: I should have asked this question sooner earlier. The the church in Mexico, how many do we have an idea of how many members there are of the church about approximately?
1: They they claim five million members worldwide in over 50 countries.
0: I went online and checked Southern California for churches and I'm here in Orange County between here and Los Angeles. I believe there's a dozen churches, um, for La, La Luz del Mundo. So it's influence. It sounds like from what you're saying, it's influence in Mexico kind of out, outstrips its membership. It sounds like it's a fairly powerful institution mm. in Mexico, right?
1: Absolutely. Um, you know, we spoke to numerous, uh, officials in the mexican government who all you know said that the the ties with la luz del mundo go very deep and long because this is again almost a hundred years you know uh, something that kind of pops to my mind is uh you know to kind of understand the the connection to that the church has with the government nason actually threw his 50th birthday party at the plaza de bellas artes in mexico city which is a very sacred public place. It would be the equivalent of a religious leader having his birthday party at the White House or something like that. It kind of shows you the deep connection that this church has with the authorities in Mexico.
0: Is there a kind of political philosophy or or sort of a tendency in the part of the church to, to tell its membership? Is, you know, we have evangelicals here in the US who have a, certainly have a certain kind of political perspective. Is that the case with this church in in Mexico?
1: Sure, I mean it, it's a it's a conservative religion, um, so the ideals that come along with that are are you know are pretty fairly obvious. Yeah.
0: Thank you for that. I thought we needed some perspective, political and otherwise, on Luz Del Mundo. Let's go back to social story. So her stepping forward. So well, in and we see it all in this film. By the way, uh, it's a three part series, and. Uh, we get a deep dive into all of the people that we're t- going to be talking about, uh, it, as well as uh, we get not just the kind of the bare facts about the church, but we get a sense of the church. We get a sense of from, you know, from grandmother to to down to the granddaughter, how it is something that is, it, it's just part of, it's part of their lives in ways that uh, uh, are deeply affecting. Um, so she steps forward. Let's talk about that initial part of her decision to move forward to call out the church. And by the way, you mentioned Nasim. He's the last. He's the third of the of the uh, apostles to be put in charge. And that's a dramatic part of the film during this sort of transition from one to the other. But uh, in terms of that, just that that sort of the rawest part of this journey for her was the decision to move forward and to call out the church. Let's talk a little bit about that.
1: Sure. I think one thing that is very common in all of our survivor stories, who have who have left the church um, or decided to speak out is support. Social had been abused by the current apostle Nason um, since she was 16 years old. And her husband was in the church as well. So really it was a discovery of those text messages, mm-hmm. Shereem confronting social and saying, what is this? Um, And then basically, you know, her denying it first, the church gets involved and they realize that, you know, they're trying to get them to lie and to, to keep it all quiet. And Shreem basically looks at her and says, this is abuse. What they did to you is abuse and we're leaving. And so they left in the middle of the night with nothing and their small daughter, and they've really had to restart. You know, it's, like she says in the series, it's not something that happened overnight. Um, this is very parallel to, you know, the story in in episode one with Hoel and Letty. You know, it wasn't until Howell was just like, this is abuse, right? And then very, you know, simil- it's also similar to episode three with Christopher and Alondra.
0: I was going to bring him up because there are, for lack of a better way to put this, there are good men in the film. In this film series. So it's good to know that. But exactly as you described it, the case, ah, I want to be careful here. I don't want to give any more than I need to uh, give away anything more. Uh, let me just say that over the course of the three episodes, we see the triumphs and the tribulations of these women moving forward. And as you described earlier, the loss of family, the trauma. And in terms of Shael she is the most sustaining character in the film, the person, I should say, not character, the most sustaining person in the film in terms of her commitment. You spent a lot of time with her. We see really, truly the agony of what she's going through, and I, you know, over the course of these many years now that this has been going on, how is she doing? How is she come, How is she today on, on the other side of all of this? Or maybe not the other side, maybe that's not the way, but how is she today?
1: Yeah. It's, it, in many ways, it's the beginning, right? Because she's been, for lack of a better word, on an island for so long. She's been the face for so long by herself that uh, she's been so public about it, it. It's been very lonely. And as you can imagine, it's with all the survivors, really, it's been an extremely emotional week, seeing your life in this way. Uh, and with her, it's it's no different, but she's, she's an insane she's such a fighter. She's so insanely brave. You know, when you have survivors of sexual abuse, the healing process is very different for each of them. Uh, It's all a different journey. And so, you know, with all of the survivors, they're in different places, as far as that journey goes. And with social right now, she's really where we ended is actually because we just started, stopped filming a few months ago. She says, activism is everything to me now. And that's truly where she is at she doesn't see herself as a victim and what's been so wonderful about the series is now she doesn't have to stay in her backstory. the backstory is out there she doesn't have to focus on the abuse she's able to take her experience and help others with what she you know what she's lived through and that's where she's at in um in her healing journey
0: again this is difficult to talk about because I want people to experience all three episodes and understand exactly the arc of all of the stories and we see in the film but there's been pushback from La Luz del Mundo and we see a little bit of that we also see the kind of l- legal help that you can buy and how frustrating that can be not only for the victims of this abuse but also for justice to be done and that's another part of this film it's It is, I hope, just one sidestep along the way towards real justice for all of the people who are involved in this abuse, the systemic abuse that was going on. But it's a lesson. I mean, we've seen it play out in other kinds of stories like this. Is there any kind of acknowledgement on the part of the church as we sit here today in 2022? Any sort of acknowledgement?
1: Yeah, I mean, we We reached out numerous times, obviously, for interviews. And when they declined an interview, we sent them questions and didn't hear back. We've also raised the question of how there hasn't been, if this has been going on for so long, how has there not been an internal investigation into this, especially when you claim 5 million members? Obviously, the church is digging its heels in. Uh, They're speaking very outwardly about, um, you know, about this, about the series and it's accuracy i think people who are familiar with hbo knows uh have has an idea of the intense intense vetting process that this network goes through um and this was no different every last it, it's always complicated but it has been extremely vetted um and so the whole Things about certain parts of it being inaccurate or whatnot. First of all, it is survivor-driven, so you know these people are speaking their truth, and you can make your mind up about that. This is their this is their truth. And then, as far as the factual parts, you know that was vetted by a very, very, very distinguished team at HBO.
0: (laughs) Well, I also know a little bit about the documentary world, and I do know that uh, how intensely concerned they filmmakers on all, the, all the way down the line of people in a production how how they take these things very seriously and i know enough about jigsaw and that's i believe that's alex gibney's outfit right that's and absolutely he is, he's top he's top shelf in terms of these kinds of things god knows he's taken on some monsters in terms of uh his his work so he knows and you know and I, I have absolutely no reason to doubt anything about this film. So I'm just kind of curious about them saying, "Yes, maybe, possibly, some acknowledgement that that these things were part of." You know, no. And so that's another, that's another red flag, if you will, in in a in an organization that refuses to at least acknowledge this kind of thing. Um, well, it's a terrific documentary series. I, I really, truly. Jennifer Teixeira, it is very well done and three compelling episodes all the way from start to finish. And my congratulations to you for your work here.
1: Thank you so much. I really appreciate the conversation.
0: Thank you. Again, the film is called Unveiled, Surviving La Luz Del Mundo, and it is currently uh, available on the platform, HBO and HBO Max. You can see it. And I urge you to check this out. Thank you so much.